bring out the gimp. Pardon my French, but you're an asshole. You gotta go, you gotta go. No one gets it. Am I still to create the perfect system? You take drugs, Danny? Yeah. Good. You taking the fucking piss? Staring at the wall. Cocksucker. Not seeing the wall. Take this fucking Looking past the wall. Nobody trusts anybody now. If I woke up tomorrow with my head sewn to the carpet, I wouldn't be more surprised than I am right now. A man should have a hobby. Um, I had a thought that this was our oldest movie for the pod Mm -hmm. and I was just wondering how you felt about old movies because I don't think we really really touched on that like obviously we both like Jaws and that's how this whole thing started but yeah this came out in 1960 so like yeah that's what I kind of mean by old movies like 60s and before yeah, honestly, I don't know that I could count all the movies on one hand that I've seen that's before 70. Uh, I'm sure there are some that I just don't know the dates of the movies, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I never really got super into movies, like older movies sure, um, that weren't horror. So when I right. think of ones okay. that I like that are before the 70s, mm-hmm. um, I think of this, obviously. I think of Psycho. I think of, I'm pretty sure Night of the Living Dead is before the 70s. That's good. Um, and that's kind of about it. That kind of tackles okay. my brain like, I don't know. I just can't think of any off yeah. the top of my head. Like they're not ones that I really think of. Yeah. I think right, right, right at 70 is where my like, it's kind of where it big starts. knowledge of movies kind of starts yeah. and moves forward. <clears throat> okay. Um, but I did take a horror film class as an elective my senior year of college. I just had like free, I just had to get three credits and I was like, I like Sick. film, whatever. Uh, and we started early on, and now when I think of it, like we we started with like Nosferatu, which is basically silent. Isn't that like twenties or thirties yeah. or something? And then we also watched um, Frankenstein. Oh, okay. So yeah. yeah, I like, but all the movies I think of before are mm-hmm. usually. I never really got into like old westerns or like the old noir movies. Yeah. Uh, and so I just, I don't think I think film at that point in time was centered mostly around like what seems to be that you know what i mean um like the spaghetti westerns and stuff Mm -hmm. and i just never got into that type of thing yeah so i just think of the horror and that's about it okay Um, i don't mind them yeah like the black and white doesn't really affect me Mm -hmm. i still you know it doesn't really like ruin the movie for me i know some people nowadays are probably yeah I, I can understand that, but I it doesn't bother me. No. And um, I feel like I can get down with an old movie. I just got to be in the mood. I grew up watching a lot of old stuff. Um, we watched all like the universal horror pictures. So. Yeah. Yeah, Frankenstein, Dracula, Wolfman, Invisible Man, uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. 
and then watched all like the old Bond movies, the originals, and a lot of the Hitchcocks and the Spaghetti Westerns. Yeah. So the Bond movies, I would say as well. Mm-hmm. Add to that. Like my dad was a Bond fan, so okay. I just don't know which ones were. 60s or before mm-hmm. all the sean connery's were 60s okay yeah um and yeah i mean like those those probably are all of like the main ones i've seen i've seen a some of the old like marilyn monroe ones um audrey hepburn and um stuff like that and like those are always great like i always have a great time watching them and think highly of them looking back on them and just like yeah. them like charade was really good with audrey hepburn and um Oh, I forget his name, but the coach from Bad News Bears and uh, yeah, I'm blanking on the names, but like sometimes they're just really good. Yeah. And you were kind of starting to say this in the car, but old movies are just simpler. Yeah. They're little, they're just nice, easy to follow. The stories usually are pretty good because they carry the movie yep. a little bit because you don't have like the CG or the action or no. like the great acting i mean oh i got into like a lot of the humphrey bogart movies too like, okay there's yeah. some really good ones of those but it's just different because it's such more of a performance it's almost like you're watching a play mm-hmm. in some of those movies and it's different where nowadays all the acting is just like making it as like real as possible in a way so you got to kind of just sell yourself on an old movie you got to be in the mood for it you got to go into it like wanting to enjoy it and understand it. And I think, I think that will lead to success. Yeah. There, it, like you said, it's just like you said, what I said was, it's just simple. There's not, and we'll talk about this with this movie, but there's some scenes where it's like, there's not talking. It's just doing, it's just showing what's happening. Yeah. And it's like 15 minutes of what, or what feels like 15 minutes of just kind of like showing Norman clean up or whatever. Yeah. Right. And right. you don't hear anything. And so I think that we've escaped that part of film with like our new, like 21st century film. Um, unless it's super like artistic but I think nowadays you just, you don't have that type of, like you said, it's, there's more distractions going on. Like there's Easter eggs. We're hiding stuff in the background here. There's just a bunch of shit. You're just like, you're looking for everything. Little sounds there's, here and there. There's like and ads in the background. Layers. You know what I mean? A lot of layers. Like um, subliminal messaging yeah. going on with just like, I feel like capitalism has just pushed movies into a different direction at uh-huh. this point. So like soundtracks too. Yeah. Sometimes like, I mean like you don't really get any other music in this movie other than the original score. Mm -hmm. They show that like, obviously in the movie, I think in Norman's room, he's listening to Beethoven Mm. or whatever, but I don't know. It's just, yeah, the soundtracks, it's, it's all originally scored and produced, Mm -hmm. um, which I think gives it, a more just natural feel. Yeah. And I a little more timeless too, even though it is black and white. Yeah. And, um, I was telling you that, uh, my girlfriend was just recently on 
a flight and she was like, what should I watch? And she sent me a picture and it was psycho. And I was like, Oh, you should watch it. And afterwards uh, she was like, wow, that was really creepy. And I was like, how'd you like it? She was like, it kept my attention the whole time. Like I was intrigued the whole time, which is, I feel like for people nowadays, some people probably couldn't sit through. So it's kind of a rarity. Yeah. So, and, and like sit through it and enjoy it. Like not just tune out. Exactly. Because cool. I mean, like, if you don't have those talking points or an engaging moments, like, people might just zone out nowadays. So, I don't know. I feel like it it has something where it aged well enough to keep people's attention. Yeah. I think it holds up. Yeah. And I think a big part of that is honestly just the, the content. Like, this could really happen this could still kind of happen today and you could kind of get away with it. And I think another thing why this movie still kind of holds up is because the content matter is so messed up. Like it's still shocking and gross and creepy and wild. Yeah. Like it's not, they didn't play it safe, you know? No. They're kind of fully sent the villain in this movie, the bad guy and just how, psycho he is mm-hmm. and it's still creepy like that's still worse than i think a lot of villains in a way you see today yeah or it's on par like it even though we don't really get too much of the blood and gore per se just the thought of it is just as bad as what you would see today it's it's a psychological thriller in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because like you said, like this is a very real villain. Even though Michael Myers could happen, there's like that supernatural aspect that they've added to him now. And right. like Jason Voorhees and, you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre and all these like just, scary villains. But they're they, just like murderers. They're though. murderers. Like this is a human who has absolutely lost his mind and has a split personality. And uh, just borderline personality disorder. Yeah. And so that's what makes it so real. And for its time, I think whether they were going for it or not, it really touches on mental health. Mm. And it's crazy to think that this is like something that they dug into for the 60s, you know? Yeah. Uh, And so it's just like, yeah, man, like it you could stop at a motel somewhere on a long road trip and you know, this could happen to you. You don't know. Like, I mean, like it's, I'm not not scared of motels. Yeah. You know, shower curtains. I would say, I mean, like I had a shower thought actually before I watched the movie, I, uh, came back and took a shower and I, as I was getting out thinking about like what I was going to write down while watching it, I was like, man, like I grew up watching horror movies and stuff and I would get scared. Like when I was a kid, like washing my hair yeah. and out of the close my eyes yeah. and I'm like, there's something there. And I feel like watching this movie probably at a younger age is the reason why I thought, Mm-hmm. there would be something at the shower. Like it is the movie that made you feel vulnerable in the shower. Yeah. And from For there sure. on it changed 
in a lot of aspects, not only the shower scene, but this movie changed horror and how it manipulates its audience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like the shower in and of itself is a vulnerable place. Like you're naked, you're alone, it's slippery. You don't have like anything to really protect yourself. Like, yeah. Yeah. So, and like, that's just such a great device to get your guard down. Yeah. And for the viewers to get scared too, because everyone knows what it's like to be in a shower, you know? Mm -hmm. And for that to be a daily thing and to turn that into, uh, one of like the most iconic murder scenes, like people are going to be freaking out. Hitchcock does a great job in this movie with writing on getting your guard down. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of it translates to the way that Anthony Perkins acted. Yeah. Like when you first meet him, he just seems like a normal guy. Mm -hmm. Like he just kind of like this trustworthy, like kind of handsome, maybe Mm -hmm. just like, he a little be, lonely, just a normal dude. Exactly. He could just be, a, he could be anyone's brother, you know? Yeah, just super nice, mm-hmm. uh, respectful. And then you start like, there's little things here and there. That, like, he's, yeah, he's throwing red flags. And but, that's halfway through the movie. I it, mean, the first part of the movie, you're not even thinking about a motel. No. You think, like, I had, I have seen this several times before, but sitting down and just really watching this for the first time in a while, you totally think that Marion, Janet Lee, is going to be on the lamb for like the whole movie. Like that's yeah. what you think the movie's gonna be about. Yeah, taking money, taking forty thousand dollars in cash and dipping. Yeah. But no. Yeah. She pulls over to stop for a night. And then the movie completely turns. It comes so far. 180. Yeah. So far out of left field. Also, then you get kind of another twist because of like a murder happening there. Mm -hmm. And then you get another twist with the whole mom thing. Yeah. So the movie's really whipping you around. It is. And it's like, I don't like, what is this movie? (laughs) When you saw, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, did you kind of get the feeling, like, what is this movie? Like, what's going on? I felt like that because I didn't, like, just watching Tarantino's movies before, you just never know what's going to happen. So you're like, I just felt like some weird, like, dread every moment. I don't know. In that movie in particular, I felt dread whenever, like, Cliff was like went to the ranch, right? right? I was like, he's yeah. about to die or be stabbed, or like I felt it like when they would run into like the Manson family or like yeah. the hippies. So you're just like, there's this, like, like a weird looming dread threat. where you're like, what's yeah. gonna happen? I don't know. I feel like that's kind of the feeling the audience back then had for this movie, yeah, because this isn't this. I th- kind of always thought this was maybe one of his first movies because mm-hmm. it was black and white. It wasn't, no, like he did. Vertigo and North by Northwest before this movie. Yeah. Which is wild to me. I didn't even think about that. Those were in color. This was in black and white. So to see him kind of do a lower budget movie in black and white, and it's a little more artsy than what he's done before. And it's just this weird storyline. I feel like it was probably pretty comparable to how we felt about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's like, what's this guy doing? Yeah. What is this movie? He, 
I guess I like read that he saw the box office earnings for black and white B movies were up and he was like, all right, I'm just going to make a movie in black and white then, even though I could make it in color. I don't remember if it was also that some of the gore would have been a little less tasteless at the time if it was in oh, color. Sure. So they kept it in black and white, but yeah, there's a saved lot of like, money for stuff. Because so it was a it was a book it was yeah. a novel hit and it was based off this real murderer, Ed Gein baby Ed Gein is that him? Ed Gein and we can talk about Ed in a second. Okay. And so he read this book and he obviously loved it, and so he went to the studio to go make it, and they were like, "Yeah, we can, we'll do it, but for like the fraction of the budget because they like." The studio knew of the book and didn't want it made because it was so like messed up and disturbing. It was a little ahead of its time. There's no a way film. it could pass censorship. Yeah, and so they basically, like, Hitchcock was able to do it because he's Hitchcock, mm-hmm. but you know, at a lesser, like a lower budget, and so the other B movies that you're talking about, there's this one specific one that I uh, found with some research. Apparently there's like this French new wave noir director, Henry Clouseau, mm-hmm. Henry Georges, 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 Jorges. I don't know. I don't know how to say French names. Do you? No. Um, and he made a box office hit called Diabol- Diabolique. Yeah. And there was like a similar like bathtub scene in that. Mm-hmm. And it was a black and white kind of B movie. And people and critics said he, Clouseau, out Hitchcocked Hitchcock. And and when you have an ego this size of this, <laughs> this big out there. So Hitchcock decided to out Diabolique Diabolique and directed his own small scale gritty black and white product. So like it, he took it, the measuring like, tape out. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, I can I can do just as good with a black and white TV crew. Yeah. Watch this. Check this out. Watch Mom, this. Mom, look. Is this a is this a movie about a a woman robbing a bank or robbing her her job of forty thousand dollars for and then getting the love of her life? Cross dresser. Or is it is it about a a man who likes to watch women shower and is creepy? Or is it about a crazy mom that stabs young girls that arouse her son? And the answer or to that? Or is it, it's actually a dude that has a split personality and dresses like his mom and kills people. And it's a yes to all of those. Yeah. <laughs> like on paper, that's nuts. Yeah. It's a crazy movie. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, think about it. It's, the sixties. And like I said, I haven't watched a bunch of movies back then, but I don't even think that like they were showing women and men in bed in movies Mm -hmm. back then. So like to have a shower scene where a woman was basically completely naked, Mm -hmm. get murdered. And then also like the movie starts off and Janet Lee's in her, in her bra yeah. laying on the bed like her and, and sam, sam just smashed got, yeah sam's got just uh just some pants on got just no some shirt pants on. like very suggestive yeah there was a lot of i reading there's a lot of some of that censorship stuff that like 
they would bark about and then Mm -hmm. hitchcock would counter by saying like oh we'll reshoot it but you have to be here on set to make sure everything's to spec or whatever and then like they wouldn't show up and so he would just print it and yeah there's a lot of weird stuff that happened throughout the movie with that so every a lot of that stuff isn't stuff we had really seen before but he was able to get away with it because he's hitchcock i guess yeah and he like played the game but Heard the studio also kind of lowballed him on money and was like, "Oh yeah, we're not gonna give you, we're not gonna pay you the normal director's like um, fee for mm-hmm. this. You're just gonna have to take points for the box office." Yeah, and he was like, "All right, fuck you, whatever." Yeah, <laughs> and he walked away with twelve million dollars, and I think the director's fee was like two hundred and fifty thousand at the time Wild. or something. Yeah, and I was like, "Cool, thanks." Didn't he chuckle get heads. like sixty percent of the gross or something yeah. crazy? Like yeah. that was his point. Sixty <laughs> percent uh, of it, dude. Just pocket. Yeah, twelve million dollars in nineteen sixty. I don't even. I don't even know. I'm sure. Well, I'll tell you this. I did look it up earlier. How much do you think $40,000 in 1960 is equivalent to today? If you didn't look it up. Uh, I think we looked it up and it was like 250000 Something uh, like that. It no, 400000 Yeah. It is worth upwards of four hundred and ten k. Yeah. So she was just on the run with almost quarter of a million dollars. Yeah, almost half. Or sorry, half. Yes, thank you. Yeah math well i mean yeah it's almost a quarter too just a little more it's more it's a quarter plus a little bit <laughs> it's almost not quite two a quarters um so i don't even know i don't 12 million in 1960 well if it if 40 grand is four hundred thousand, it's just times 12 so times 10 so yeah 20 million dollars fuck it's probably could buy his own island that fat fuck and he just just kept on kept on making movies. Just kept making movies. Um what's your favorite Hitchcock movie? So I was going to ask you that oh. because I actually haven't watched any other Hitchcock movie before. I've seen parts of Rear Window. Okay. Um I've seen the like the modern version of it with Shia LaBeouf. Oh, the Disturbia. Disturbia. Yeah. So I know the premise of it and then I've seen parts of Vertigo. Okay. Uh, but I never, never really got into cool. him other than Psycho. Okay. Psycho's, ah, just watching it again, it was really good. Yeah. But Rear Window has always kind of been my favorite. It's just a fun one. It's a nice hot summer one, dog day afternoon sort of deal. Um, Not, sorry, not like the movie, more like the saying. And then... Birds is kind of funny. Vertigo's good. North by Northwest is really good. Yeah, I've heard you mention North by Northwest. That's a good one. A couple of times. It's definitely more of a thriller. I it, feel like most of his movies like are thrillers. It looks like spy espionage, kind of. Kind of. But it looks that way, but it's not really. Yeah. It's kind of hard to explain. I don't want to give it away. Mm-hmm. But it's a great one. And yeah. uh, Rear Window... And Vertigo fall, or Rear Window, Rear Window, and Psycho fall a little bit more into the kind of the thriller horror. Yeah, and a lot of his other movies are a little bit more just like thriller or something. Mm-hmm. But I don't know, Psycho's like up there as far as 
like horror movies for him. Yeah. Would you say that Psycho is better than Rear Window? I don't know. That's hard. I mean, would you say they're close to equal to each other? I would. I would say they're pretty close. Just personally, I mean, it was clearly more successful and iconic than Rear Window, but I mean, Psycho just feels like an old movie, and Rear Window does too in some ways. But Rear Window's color. And like, I'm sorry, but that does kind of make me feel like it's a little bit more rewatchable or palatable yeah. in a way. And it's, uh, it's a little more chill. Psycho's like, kind of, Psycho's pretty fucked up, dude. It is. And like, I... <laughs> it, it can be a vibe. I feel like you gotta be in Rear the right Window's mood. fucked up too. I mean, it is. it's basically... No, it is. I'm he's not saying like it's he's not. A, it's just, just it's like a lighter a, tone. A dude with a broken leg peeping on his neighbors uh-huh. while his model girlfriend's like, why oh. won't you fuck me? Exactly. And he's like, because I got I to gotta be a voyeur. He's like, just marry me. And he's like, I can't. I have to explore the world and take pictures. Do you know how he got... I feel like we're going to do an episode on Rear Windows. So we, we probably will. Talk about yeah. it. But the way he breaks his leg is fucking insane is it yes i, I will talk about it i'm sure i'm I, guessing I really we'll do like, a pod on rear window this yeah. summer i think we should i really like it and it's a f- cool follow-up summer of thrillers yeah maybe Get your th- summer thrills summer of thrills i want to do big trouble in little china soon yeah. too that's a nice summer movie mm. kurt yeah i love kurt uh but, yeah and then we can talk see what you think about rear window and how they stack up but yeah. they're both great in their own way well i enjoy disturbia as like a modern twist on rear window um, yeah there's parts in that movie that i remember growing up as a kid that scared me and then uh they just like remade psycho but like bit by bit yeah and i like wanted to start this shot pod- right? I, yeah i just wanted to i wanted to start this pot off with a joke but i forgot it and just wanted to be like Damn, Vince Vaughn was really weird in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That would have been good. But I, I missed my shot. Um, I was going to ask, I had that question too. Like, what do you feel about remakes of like these type of classic movies? I think if you take them and change it around a little bit, but mm-hmm. keep like the story, I find that in film fun. Like when I found out that Disturbia was rear window but Mm -hmm. just a modern twist on it yeah i thought that was super cool yeah like i remember watching it my dad coming in and being like what are you watching i'm like oh this he's like oh yeah it's just like it's just rear window just changed and i was like yeah fuck you're right but but like i i think i've grown to like appreciate that yeah it's a modern take on the classic so why not have yeah why not do that and it's fun to like uh copy and paste something in today's world and see the changes that you need to make and mm-hmm. how that like, can affect the psycho story. could be remade just differently. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally get like silence of the lamb vibes mm-hmm. from psycho with, like, yeah. I don't know, just like the skin and yeah. dead stuff. And yeah. You know it, but when you make it piece by piece, like Why? that's, what's that's the point of one that? of those things where you couldn't remake jaws Right. Because it would just be the same thing and yeah. it just wouldn't work. No. It's like, why Why do we even need that or want that? Yeah. And what's the point of 
remaking something shot for shot. If you're going to do that, just watch the original. Exactly. Like, why not? Get over yourself. Watch um, a 80-year-old movie. Yeah. I, uh... 60. 60. 63. Right? 60. 63 years. Do oh, some yeah. fucking math, bro. Well, I, I thought... No, I didn't yeah. even know the what movie a quarter came was. Out in 60. I thought you were oh, saying it the movie came, came out in 63. No, it's 63 years. You know why? Because I looked up, what, 40 million, 40,000, 40... 40 mil. 40 mil. Quit 40. And that's my quote. Even if I do a bad job, they still got to pay me two mil. <laughs> um, yeah. And so to touch back on this movie was based off of a book called psycho right yeah by who's the author um it was written in 1959 by american writer robert block block robert blotch um and it's so 1959 it was right before so that was pretty that's yeah. like it was like very new, very current for Hitchcock. That is based off of serial killer Ed Gein. Ed. So, I guess the uh, Geener. Yeah, the Geener. <laughs> what did he do? Nothing great. <laughs> uh, he was up in Milwaukee, um, and he lived on a farm with his family. Uh, and loved his mother. Oh. Um, and, you know, we'll just go through some highlights real quick. Well, yeah, I wouldn't say highlights. It. They're pretty low points. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Are these like the lowest points in his life? Or do you think these are like... These the are highest? highlights, but I'm not trying to highlight yeah, serial but, killers. But as a serial killer. Yeah. Is, are, is oh, these this are like probably his highlights. His highlights <laughs> or is these his lowest This is his highlight mixtape on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah. And play. Uh, so he grew up on a farm with well, his... some cool music. He grew up on the farm with his family, loved his mother. Um, I believe there was one day... He had a brother. There was one day a barn fire, and his brother magically died in it, and he magically. survived, and oh. he was like, uh, I don't know what happened to him. He died. Uh-oh. And... Uh, yeah, he lived on the farm with his mom, and I think his mom um, got ill, and she, I think his dad and his mom had an abusive relationship towards Ed, and um, he was a little off, and the town kind of just like, they knew about him, but they thought he was harmless. He was just kind of like the, you know, the guy you see at the bar every day who's just like a little weird, but mm-hmm. wouldn't hurt a fly. Um but realistically, he was bringing people back to his farmhouse. Okay. And was skinning them and eating Holy them fuck. and making uh, lampshades out what? of body parts. What? And, really? Yeah. And um, keeping like women's privates in jars oh. and shit. And he was uh, exhuming bodies out of the ground, and he was um, doing what? Like, isn't it called exhum? Like when you take bodies out of the ground, like oh, basically oh, like, like grave, grave robbing. digging, digging, yeah, okay, grave robbing. Gotcha. Um, and was like doing shit in his house, and he was kind of like the Jeffrey Dahmer before Jeffrey Dahmer, but before Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah, okay, uh, just like right, and no one ever suggested, it. no one ever thought anything of it. 
And um, then he got caught. And I guess it was just like, you know, they, they base it off of him and he was just fucking going off big back then in this, I think it was the yeah, early fifties. Oh, wow. Uh, the Geener, dude. The ge- yeah. He really gained. Um, so they base psycho off of it. They okay. base Texas chainsaw massacre. off oh, of him. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Buffalo bill from silence of the land. Oh yeah. Of okay. Him as well. Fuck. Wow. Well, so, I mean, there's more to it. That's more gruesome. You can go and you can fact check it too, but I'm pretty sure he may, his mom may have tried to remarry, but like her husband's kept on mysteriously dying. Oh fuck. And so like they added that into psycho too. Yeah. And so, wow. Well, Ed Gein, shout out to the Geener. Cause without watching documentaries on him as a kid and my parents were like, great. This is going to be great. This is good for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, without uh, the Gein man, we wouldn't have some great Psycho. movies. So, you know. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> uh, on to creepier shit. Well, okay. So the movie opens with Sam and uh, Marion on the bed, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And at first I was trying to remember what the deal was. I was thinking, are they, they're obviously in a relationship, but are they committing adultery? Yeah. What's going on? Why are they being so secretive about it? And then my girlfriend was like, they're in the sixties. Like it's taboo to sleep outside of marriage. Yeah. And I was just like, Oh yeah. I didn't get that either. I was like, it seems like like they're having an affair. Yeah. And then he would say his ex-wife and they're just poor. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I was, I was just like kind of confused. I was like, why, why is this so weird? But yeah, that's just why just a different time, you Mm -hmm. know? And, uh, I was, you know, that's cool. Whatever. I was like, there has to be an affair. And then I was like, wait, is he actually like, is he, is he, fucking his wife's sister mm-hmm. for some reason that came up in my head and I was like, Oh no, that's not how it goes. Right. Lila's just looking for Marion later. Yeah. Um, but you just have to like teleport yourself back into that times. Yeah. Sometimes things don't really make sense in today's mm-hmm. world. And that one kind of caught me off guard and I was like, oh, okay, that makes, that's interesting. Yeah. And then, um, she goes to the office and she just gets, absolutely hit on by, by that this, guy by the like just a total perv like it's a lot yeah uh her whole work life was kind of <sighs> insane like the woman that she works across from mm-hmm. is obsessed with her husband yeah and then She's taking tranquilizers. Mm-hmm. Some aspirin? Yeah. I've got something. Not aspirin. My mother's doctor gave them to me the day of my wedding. Teddy was furious when he found out I'd taken tranquilizers. What? <laughs> what? I forgot the. What were doctors prescribing to housewives back uh, in the quaaludes? day? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah. she's got a lot going on and it's not good. Not great. So it's kind of like, yeah, go on, take the money and run. Mm-hmm. Like the song goes, that scene in the office has the one quote I could say for the rest of my life. 
which is Larry, I'm dying of Thirstaroonie. That's what that guy says. Yeah. All right. I'm dying of Thirstaroonie. Can we break down this man? I am dying of Thirstaroonie. Walks the, in. Wait, the the client. The client. Yeah. Walks in. Cowboy hat. Yeah, he's a has Texas to be, gentleman. Has to be a Texas like oil monger, right? It's got to be oil. Because if you're just walking around with barren. the equivalent to four hundred thousand dollars in cash in your pocket back then, well, he had more, didn't he? Big dick. Yeah, he's big dick swinging. He basically tells Marion straight up, "I can buy you off." I think he also tells her straight up, "I commit tax fraud." <laughs> like, doesn't he say like? I someone was uh the other woman was like I declare and he like looked at Mary is like yeah. I don't that's why I get to keep all my money right and I'm like oh so we're just committing tax fraud so this dude definitely has a massive business and this, guy, just- this dude has a massive dick <laughs> this dude has a little dick and is a major Republican in Texas little dick but he's a big dick swinger oh. <laughs> I yeah. commit tax fraud. That's why I have all my money. I want a movie on him. And no, it's actually just There Will Be Blood. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually Daniel Day-Lewis. <laughs> they superimposed Daniel Day-Lewis into Psycho. Yeah, dude, that guy was nuts. Yeah. God, he came in hot, too. Yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis's then, daughter. I mean, I, <laughs> Daniel Day-Lewis's son actually turns into a daughter and he's buying him a house. What? (laughs) She goes, I've abandoned my boy child. She goes in the office and wants to leave early. And then the client's like, yeah, you go on ahead. Yeah, dude. He was like, I can buy happiness. I'm surprised he didn't smack her on the ass on the way out. I thought he was going to commit some sort of like sexual harassment. He looked like he was ready to follow her. That would have been a twist if it was actually him. That would have been pretty normal back in the day. Hmm. Yeah. Women just disappear and you don't know why. Okay. (laughs) A thought came up. Okay. So I'm jumping ahead, but Marion goes to, she gets to the motel. Yeah. I feel... Like the last thing on her mind is being scared of Norman Bates. Yeah, that's that. That's what I was talking about like, with taking you off the like off the fence, off the wire yeah. of being like, what is going to happen? I'm being chased by the cops. You mm-hmm. know, when she's going through her whole ideas, like, and I I have the the question for you is when she's driving. Yeah, like not to tangent too much, but when she's driving and she's hearing. Those voices in yeah. her head. Do you think that's what's actually the dialogue that's actually happening, or is that showing her paranoia of what she yeah. thinks is happening? I one, I love. I wrote a note about how much I loved that technique because yeah. I don't really see that much. Like we hear voiceovers, but not voiceovers of conversations we haven't seen. Yeah, I definitely think it's her paranoia, like definitely. Yeah. But I think she's a very realistic person, so I feel like. That dialogue, even though it is her own thoughts, is probably pretty accurate to what is happening. And that gives us some exposition, too, without mm. meeting those other characters. And I think that's, or seeing much of them. Yeah. I think that was really cool. Well, I ain't about to kiss off $40,000. I'll get it back, and if any of it's missing, I'll replace it with her fine, soft flesh. I'll track her, never you doubt it. Oh, hold on, Cassidy. 
I still can't believe. It must be some kind of a mystery. I, I can't. You check with the bank, no? They never laid eyes on her, no? You still trusting? Hot creeper. She sat there while I dumped it out. And once again, not haven't seen a bunch of 1960s movies here before, mm-hmm. but like, have you seen that technique? Done right. Before? That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't even remember. I don't even recall something after that. Like, yeah. Like voiceovers for, for sure, but I don't. I can't think of another movie where someone's thinking about another conversation that we don't know actually happened. Like Hitchcock just filmed Janet Lee just drive, like pretending to drive mm-hmm. for like five minutes. Yeah, and then dubbed it over. And you then, know what I mean. And at one point, she even kind of smiles because she's starting to get like a little kick from the thrill of things. Yeah, and it's wild. So, um, is can can we circle back? Yeah, can we merge back so, in? So like she's all paranoid about everything, right? And then she gets and she meets this just like super like he super starts nice, off. He's just guy. nice. He like he comes down this like hands in his pockets, yeah. just like loose. Yeah, you know, tall glass Friendly. of water. Yeah, tall sip of water, whatever. Yeah. Just, you know, just like I said, boy, like, kind of like a little handsome, nice, like jawline. Yeah. Looks clean, Har- friendly, harmless, friendly, okay. golden retriever energy a little bit. Yeah. But here, here's what I'm getting at with that. Is it, is it, ba- is it because of the times they were in where women didn't fear being alone so much? Was there, is there a little bit of that where there wasn't just such a stigma of being alone, isolated is such a dangerous thing? Because he doesn't seem like it's too out of the ordinary. No. She doesn't seem that way either. Like they're both handling it very like cordially and yeah. as if it's normal. But like to me, she's scared of the cops. She's scared of being caught she's not scared at all for her life of being in a dangerous situation in the middle of a no in the middle of nowhere with a strange guy yeah i feel like in today's world that is more of the concern but i feel like that wasn't even a concern for her and i wonder if that's like accurate i would say it was probably out of the norm that's probably a an indication of that norman is not right to begin with um because mm. I think as we know in the sixties, there's a lot of laws that are changing in the country and, you know, a lot of civil rights stuff going on and a lot of history being ta- like taken place in that time. Yeah. And so like you have the nuclear family of like stay at home wife and a man that works and then comes home to the family. And right. so like that whole sleeping with someone who you're not married to and like doing that is almost like, you know, blasphemous or you know against a lot of religion or social yeah ideas at the time Mm -hmm. so i think like a woman being on her complete own back then was probably a rarity for her to just be like traveling the road yeah and so showing up at the motel and him being okay with it right because i think kind of tilts like the okay, something isn't right here because I feel like he would have been like, oh, like, where's your husband? Yeah, Yeah. We just... Exactly. Okay. Jinx, you're my mom. Just kidding. (laughs) I'm my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Happy Mother's Day, by the way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like... Yeah, we really did do this for Mother's Day, kind of. Oh, yeah. It's kind of funny. 
okay. That makes sense. I still feel like maybe the threat of being I, murdered wasn't top of mind. Like it's I don't not, think it was top of mind. And he, like I said, he put your guard down quick. Uh-huh. Another thing that makes me think that this is ahead of its time is I know, you know, there's a lot of interconnectedness with phones still going on and, you know, newspapers, but she's acting like they're just going to catch her immediately. Like she's almost acting yeah. like she's in the, the time of the internet where they know where she's going to be mm. and immediately get there. But it seems like they make her seem like she's on the road for a little bit. So it's like, how would you know where she went if she just took off? And she's, she's really paranoid. paranoid yeah. Which is crazy. So I thought that was funny when I'm yeah. watching it. I'm like, wow, she seems like they can track her anywhere. It's like, once you get rid of the cops, like, yeah. they didn't even know. And this is crazy, but like, they couldn't even fucking figure out Ted Bundy in the 70s mm. because the cops wouldn't talk to different towns. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah. Once she I just mean, escaped town, she's pretty much gone. scot free. And like, she's got cash, right? Like, she's got cold hard cash, man. She's set. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like uh, changing the car is not a bad idea, but she kind of fucked up because she did it right in California front of the cop. California Charlie? Well, she, <laughs> what a terrible plan, dude. Her whole plan just terrible. Yeah, but she was, she's she just was doing it. She was winging it. Yeah, yeah, she was winging it. But, like, so she wakes up on the side of the road, and the cop's just, like, you know, knocking on her window. Basically it's like she was pulled over. Mm-hmm. He checks everything and then he follows her. And I thought that was just the funniest car chase. It was so stupid because it's after she got pulled over quote unquote. Like, yeah, she was still concerned even after the fact it's like, honey, if he would have been like really on to you, yeah, like he would have done more. I feel like right then and there. So I think that Hitchcock uses camera angles to describe her anxiety in that situation mm-hmm. where it's just close up of the cop, close up of her. It's yeah. not showing both of them talking to each other. It's just like literally camera in front of mm-hmm. each other's face. And it's taking up the whole screen. Like that cop is staring the what, like the viewer in the soul. And yeah. you can see in her eyes that like nothing was like, she's like, fuck. Right. Like, like he's, yeah. Like you know, she's trying her hardest not to act like she's done something wrong, but she's failing miserably. Because they don't have the the anxiety music of like the where they use it in other scenes. It's just the close up camera angle of right. the cop staring you down. And then they use another good shot where she's driving, and we just see her um, just through the windshield Mm -hmm. but you can see behind her and you can see the cop tailing her behind her so it's also like how she's constantly looking Mm -hmm. behind her at the cop and yep yeah it's it's just really cool really well done and then she pulls over to buy a new car and she does it in front of the cop it was just so so stupid i thought it's just so yeah exactly when i was watching it i was like i thought she might have just been like you know what on second like let me just let me just get an oil change and then Mm -hmm. leave um and that builds up so much to the point where when she's taking off and you hear, Hey, like I like jumped a little bit. Yeah. So I was like, Oh 
Yeah. And then I was like, I did too. oh yeah, it was a dude who was like, you left your luggage in but the like, car. Uh, it's so, dude, it's so cringy. Yeah. Like she's so bad at being chill. Yeah. It's, it's actually kind of gives me a cringe effect. It's yeah, like, she's not it's chill like, at all. You're so bad at this that you forgot your own luggage. Like everything looks so sus. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure when she started the process of getting a new car, she didn't really see the cop was there. But if she backs out like mid transaction, that is kind of weird. That's so I feel like too. she maybe had to like just do it. I would say a big turning point in the movie is getting pulled over by the cop because he's the one who mentions to her why wouldn't you stop at like a hotel or motel? There's a bunch around here. Yeah. So if she mm. doesn't get caught, she most likely is like, all right, I slept on the road. No one knew where I was. I'll just pull over and take another nap and I'll keep going. Yeah. And she, because she was like, what? 15 miles away from Fairville where yeah, she was close. Sam was. So she probably would have just taken a little nap and sent it. But the cop gave her even more paranoia, suggested to stop at a motel. And then she sees Bates motel. Yeah. And it's like we were talking about it earlier where she pulls up and like, you know, that's the last thing on her mind is that that's a, a, a bad place. But for mm-hmm. you and me who have seen this movie, like you see that Bates Motel sign and it's like the kiss of death. Yeah. Like I, I you like I got I get creeped out by the sign. For sure. Because it, it's like vacancy mm-hmm. and it's creepy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you see the house up. It shows you like the house up above it. But right. Bas- as soon as you see that sign, you're basically dead. Yeah, for sure. And um. I got major Halloween vibes from a certain shot mm-hmm. and it's when she was buying that car and she yeah. looks across the street and the cop mm-hmm. is outside his car, leaning on it, just like staring at her. Yeah. And it looked just like Michael Myers behind the car, looking at Lori Watching in the classroom. Lori. And I was like, Oh man, like I got even kind of creeped out by that. Yeah. There are a lot <laughs> of parallels between this and Halloween. Which I'm pretty sure John Carpenter has said before that a lot of like the inspiration or some of the inspiration to Halloween was Psycho. Like Sam Loomis mm-hmm. is literally the, the character's name. Character. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure there's Nurse Marion, the nurse that Sam Loomis is with. Oh, okay. In the beginning of Halloween. Her name's Marion. Um and then obviously Janet Lee right is who played Marion who played Marion is Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Mhm. Yeah. So Scream Queens. There's a there's a lot it's this is essentially the first smash hit slasher. Yeah. That you don't really realize you went to go see. Mm-hmm. And then it ends up trans like just changing the direction of film that will later spark Halloween and all the other slashers. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's just so influential and like scream. Yeah. Like that pulls from a bunch of movies, but that did the same thing where it killed off the main actress. Mm -hmm. Scream did it sooner, but like they did it in psycho. Like, halfway through your leading lady is dead and then yeah. you have to just shift to other main Fucking characters Arbor gas as a kid 
watching this movie, one of the things that I remember and every time I see it is when Marion is driving and it starts to pour rain and then the music speeds up mm. and then the windshield wipers. Like, I don't know what it is with the windshield wipers and how they don't really work. Yeah. It kind of, it obstructs the view. It kind of makes you feel a little uneasy. I it think. made me, it makes me feel super uneasy. And I remember yeah. as a kid being like, Oh my God, she's going to crash. She can't see. She can't see. How's she going to go anywhere? And all of a sudden base motel is there. Boom. But, the music and the score is just one of a kind and really makes this. Mm-hmm. I guess they didn't have a score for it, and yeah. Hitchcock was basically like, "We gotta, we gotta cut it down. It's just gonna go on TV. Like this movie's just gonna go on TV. It's mm-hmm. not gonna be great." Uh, and then they ended up getting that score of like the you know the real violin strings, which I think uh, the screeching of violin strings and would inspire the music for Jaws. Mm. Is what I read. Okay. So the like, yeah, you know, and the like the iconic yeah. shower scene music, like you get that in Jaws, or it's like, right. It's so it's like an unsettling pitch. It's loud and it's it it fits so well. It's so simple, but the movie kind of is too in a way, and and how it looks, it just it blends really nicely with mm-hmm. the movie. And and uh, I think Hitchcock even said that it like makes up for thirty three percent of why this movie is so good or scary or, or something. And he's like, I'm not going to give them 50%. No, because I have 60 points because I have 60. <laughs> I have 60 points. They're going to take the 30. Yeah. And he didn't even have music for the shower scene. He it was didn't just want silent. It. He didn't want it for the shower scene. And then Bernard Herman is the conductor composer. He just did it anyway. It made Just it. to show him. Yeah. And uh, Hitchcock was like, yep, that's it. But yeah, honestly, I got a big jump scare when Mother came out and just stabbed Arbogast Ar- 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 yeah. Ar- in the head. That like, is that like, is like that one was of the a first jump scare. Like, I was scare. not expecting that. You see the door opening. You know that, something's going to happen. That but camera view. Yeah. And she just she runs out. out. Like, oh, yeah. Blade up. the face either Blades i think that's up. what makes it creepier is mm. in the shower scene you kind of see the face you know like you see little, like the head you see the head and you see the eyes yeah but you don't you just see all of a sudden it's like yeah and it comes out like, like oh shit yeah it's creepy and then he falls down the stairs oh my god the fu- like goes from the jump scare to one of the most laughable scenes is him <laughs> being like whoa <laughs> <laughs> just like, like walking backwards down the stairs. Yeah. And th- I mean, and then she gets down there and she hikes that thing. Yeah. She's up to uh, Everest double and tap. brings it yeah. down. Um, before Finish we get, job. we get into that. I have some stuff to talk about okay. when, uh, Norman or when Marion shows up to Bates motel. Yeah. We first see her look up to the window 
Mm. and mother walks by the window. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like immediately Norman comes out. Okay. How the fuck does he change that fast? He, well, we see him at the end. Yeah. Full regalia. Full. Yeah. He's got the wig on and it's not on perfectly and he's got the dress on, but it's almost like it's not like tight and it's almost like a, like a scrub, Mm -hmm. like a, Patience. So he just wears that like dress over his clothes, so he I can think switch so. back and forth. Yeah, like I don't know how much he full sends turning into mother. Maybe you know, maybe apparently if, like, enough no for her to fucking leave a dent in the bed like that. Oh my god! Mm. Why? <laughs> Why? Uh, She's been there for like ten years, right? Yeah. Didn't they say she died like ten years, or he killed her ten, 10 years, years ago? ago. Um, and then he's quick. I know they talk about it a little bit at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but when he's showing Mary in her room, he's talking about all the great things, the clean linens, the, mm-hmm. you know, opening the window, all the great amenities. And then he's like, uh, and he looks over at the bathroom and he's like, and the over there. Yeah. And then he like stops. He does. He has some sus things early. And that was definitely one of them. My question to you is, is this, this isn't his first time doing this, is it? Like, do you think seeing the bathroom gives him guilt? Because that part of his mind is like, I've killed women who have come here and I usually kill them in the shower when they're unsuspecting. I think so because yes, that makes sense. At first, I thought it was his, like, immaturity showing where, like, he can't talk about, like, the private room where, like, people do stuff with their privates. Like, I've that's what I first where thought. people it, maybe, bump privates. Where people just, you know, like, look at privates. Bumping privates. And I kind of thought he was just a weird little incel boy and yeah, was weirded out by that. Felt uncomfortable talking about that. But, no, I think you're right. I think it is that's kind of his MO mm-hmm. is killing people in the shower. Cause they mentioned at the end of the movie, do you have any other missing persons cases on younger women? Mm-hmm. So then the, there wasn't there like two younger women or something missing. Yeah. And before that, when he was checking her in, he had a weird thing with the room key. Did he, he like hesitated grabbing one, one. Cause he, it's one that he, so I think he knows if he puts them in one, it's over. Yeah. Because that's the one like closest to him. To him. That's the one. With the peephole. With the fucking hole in the wall where Norman can see it all. The glory. Oh. <laughs> and he knows when that happens. Mother is going to come out to play is going to come out and once he when little norman gets a little tight in the pants oh mother is not happy mother Mother doesn't like mother's that not yeah i mean if that dude if that dude has sex it's like a whole nother level of mother watching i don't think he's ever watching you have sex oh it's disgusting just yeah. like mid sex, he turns into mom, and mom just starts yelling. What are you doing to my son? Yeah, <laughs> she starts yelling at her son. Yeah, and 
dude, that would be so freaky. Jesus, yeah. If you're on the other side of that bump in privates. And so that's like, I had another question too, is is room, I guess we, once again, learn this later, but like room one, I wonder if that's the only one that he really upkeeps or the other ones. But then he does put the, he does put Sam and Lila in 10 later and keeps one. And also surprisingly yeah. keeps one unlocked for them to walk right. in. Like I would lock that door. Yeah. Why aren't they all unlocked I don't or know. locked? Yeah. Why would you give someone a key then? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but you're right. So first he's a little sus grabbing the key, but he decides to put her in one, which probably means he's going to kill her. And then when he's in there showing her the room, he kind of stumbles over the bathroom because that's probably where he normally does the killing. Mm-hmm. And then the rest is history, but I don't know, man, he is pretty bored out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if he did change. He's a weird guy. I wouldn't be surprised if he was changing the linens. Yeah, but I feel like serial killers just like have their, their routine and they just do it. Well, maybe, maybe he has two rooms. He has room one for potential victims. And then he has room 10 for people that he's not going to kill, especially if it's probably more than one person. Everything else is just a ruse. So he has one, room ready for either scenario party room and a chill room yeah in the parlor Mm-hmm. um yeah and then they have dinner together and he has that first Ooh. yelling with mother yeah which like if you're just watching this movie you don't know it just sounds like a normal fight mm-hmm. between a mom and a son do you think he's like he had like those mirrors. Yeah. So he's probably like looking at himself in different mirrors. Oh yeah. Right. To oh, be yeah. like his mother, he's Norman, his mother, he's Norman and he's switching. Or he uses her corpse to like, oh. when he sees her, the voice comes out. Right. Uh, but it's, I don't know. It's weird because he has the corpse and then he like, talks as the corpse later when he's bringing her downstairs. Yeah. But then he's also walking around as her. Yeah. So this it, dude's just so fucking deranged. Yeah. Like he anything mixes is possible. It up. It's I, I, as we talk about this, it's crazy that we're talking about a movie that came out in 1960. It sounds yeah. like a, a horror movie from today. Like yeah. it's just so fucking weird, dude. Ah, and uh, the taxidermy. So he like taxidermied her. Like he like he treated to, her. Yeah, they said he oh. tried to treat her for as long as the body would hold. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Thing probably reeks. So smells so bad. And another thing that you see. So when they come down for for dinner. Yeah. After the yelling. Just eating like bread and butter and cheeks. Mm. Like it's nothing great. But. Uh you start to get that conversation where he's talking about mom and then she's like, well, why don't you put her somewhere? And he like breaks a little bit. Yeah. And then like, he doesn't like that. And then like sits back down. I was like, of course I've thought about that myself, but like breaks and you kind of get like the red flag. But during that conversation, you really like start to see that he has like these ticks, like has a stutter Mm-hmm. kind of sounds like a child still. Yeah. Like he's stuck. Like Norman, I looked it up. He's supposed to be in mid-20s in this movie. Yeah, okay. Uh, but he acts like he's like 
15 or it, it's like norman 13. died when his mom died like yeah. he stopped developing and he just like lost his mind yeah because i mean he did kill his mom mm-hmm. and her new husband so like he killed them something was clearly off then and i think he just broke yeah from that point on and he just stopped developing he the parts of him that were maybe more mature are really probably just his mom coming mm-hmm. out in him. Yeah. And so every now and then when he kind of has like those little episodes, it's like he's reverting back to his 15 year old weird self. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and they, they have like the Bates motel series, which I've never mm, watched before I haven't either. Um, I'm curious though, to see how, cause we actually learn a lot by the end of the movie about it. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's most of the source material for baseball. Oh, yeah. The book too. I don't know how much the book differs because we might learn it. a lot of the Norman stuff as like the first part of the book. Yeah. Cause I know Hitchcock changed the story structure a little and he started with Janet Lee's character, Marin. He started with her, which I don't think the book does. Yeah. So maybe the book's a little bit more, standard in its storytelling where mm-hmm. it gives the background of the killer and then the mm. leading lady and then they meet where mm-hmm. this we have no idea about the killer until halfway through and then it's a threat and you're like what what is going on and you learn a lot at the end but still there's some good points in the conversation that they have in the parlor mm-hmm. um just the quotes too yeah it's like i thought it was good that she was like a man every man should have a hobby Mm-hmm. That was a good quote that I liked from that. And then obviously, uh, like, well, a man's best friend is his mother, of course. Oh God, yeah. And it's just like, fucking what? <laughs> fucking what, mate? Do you go out with friends? Well, a, a boy's best friend is his mother. Fucking what, mate? Um, but yeah, the conversation at dinner also kind of like makes you bring your guard down. And then once they mention the nut house, he kind of goes off a little bit. He has like a PTSD flashback. And then to like almost as if he was in a nut house at some point. Yeah. Yeah. He like sits up and gets aggressive and then like chills out. Yeah. Uh, he recenters. He finds his center. And him his doing chakras this, are realigned. His chakras are realigned. He found God in that moment. <laughs> he. That was the moment Norman Bates found God. Uh, he sits back down, but that whole dinner conversation really put Miriam's guard down to the point where she forgot that she signed the in book as uh, Marie Samuelson mm. or Samuels and then shakes her hand and says, oh, I'm Miss Crane. And she fucks up and she with... fucks herself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like not literally well we like don't fig- see that figuratively norman might have seen that through his little pervy people figuratively. She, doesn't she mess up where she's from too because on the in the ledger he says you can just put the town and she and just I, writes los I angeles think, right she writes la i think she writes la and then she says i'm going back he's like where to and she said um arizona Did she say arizona yeah or yeah. scott's or whatever and she, she was saying. so her lie is unraveling and i think he's picking up on these cues and then she says like um miss crane and he goes and checks the ledger mm. and like chuckles a little bit and then goes. It kind of gives him a green light to kill her. Yeah. Because if she's being sketchy, mm-hmm. he's probably. Mother doesn't like that. Gonna be getting away with it. Mother doesn't like whores. So then. 
she's gonna bring the money back. Apparently, she's like, "We're and all that's caught nice... in our traps." That there's, like I said, there's good dialogue at dinner. Like his whole monologue mm-hmm. on "We're all caught in our private traps." Um, the talking points are just very well written. Like yeah. I remember sitting there and just thinking that that dinner was. That well was an written. intense dinner scene. That I kind of got lost in the scene. Yeah. Sometimes in movies, like you kind of get so into something and then you like kind of snap out of it. You're like, oh shit, I was like really zoned into this. And mm-hmm. I, I did get that with that scene. And that was, it was nice. Yeah. But her bringing the money back kind of gives her a last second. Oh, she's a good girl because, well, kind of, because to us, we're kind of like, yeah, um, go piss girl, you know, do what you got to do. Go piss, take and a then, piss. And the, uh, the chicks back in the 1960s were probably like, this woman's a whore. She needs to die because she's uh, sleeping with someone she's not married to and she's on the run with 40 large. Mm-hmm. So 40 large. They're probably, so I don't know. I feel like the audience back in the day probably didn't, weren't super stoked on Marion. They were probably like, you know, she gets what she deserves. But in, for us today we're kind of like yeah whatever it still sucks so i think giving her the grace of saying she's going to bring the money back puts her in some sort of like all the stay-at-home wives are like this slut she deserves like, no, to don't, die now don't die because she's going to do the right thing i don't know i feel like it was a last-ditch effort to try to make her a likable character yeah i mean i think she was a likable character i still. do too but it's also probably because she's hot yeah <laughs> Except we her don't hair. objectify her. Her, <laughs> her hair does suck. But that's okay, why Lila's I made a hair good point. Is better. That's true. That's another big part. Shy made a good point. I was like, ah, oh, her hair's awful. And she's like, yeah, but that's just like the hairstyle then. And like to us, that's a grandparent's hair. It is it's grandma's hair. But that's because grandma's just kept rocking that do. When they got old, that's what it looked like. Yeah. And it's just like, ah, oh, God. It sucks. Yeah. Uh, it makes her look so much older. I know. And so, yep. Then we get the scene where she, you know, and then she dies and then she, uh, <laughs> she starts getting dressed, undressed. And this brings us to our first, Oh, <laughs> this brings us to our first sponsor, sponsor, uh, commercial ad of the pod. Let's hear it. This pod is brought to you by Norman's hole in the wall. <laughs> Pub. Are you in your mid-twenties and still living with your mother? Are you sick of her nagging at you for wanting to go out and party and meet a hot babe? Well, glance no further than Norman's Hole in the Wall. We're open from 12 p.m. to 4 a.m. every day. And we're the coolest spot in town where young women love to hang. So come on down and grab a cold glass of milk and find yourself a new best friend or creep out the local girls. Either one sounds better than staying home with your mother. We're located three miles down the road from the old rundown Bates Motel on the left. Nice. Norman's Hole in the Wall. Norman's Hole in the Wall. A hole in the wall where Norman can see it all. I want to see what the hole looks like from the other side. Dude, it was a massive hole. Like, I can't believe she didn't see, like, an eye creeping through. I wonder if it's hidden behind, like, that's a like painting a, or something. That's, like, a scary thing, though, in real life. Is yeah. I know that a lot of women who do, like, travel on their own are like, is this a double-sided mirror in, mm-hmm. like, hotels or motels and, you know, bringing their own, like, 
locking like door extra yeah. lockers so like people who have keys can't get in yeah i would dude yeah it's creepy uh, did you ever see no vacancy i don't think it's so. luke wilson no i i don't know why but that was it was a scary movie that i like my dad's sister and i used to watch a bunch yeah growing up and it's very similar to psycho and to me that was kind of like my psycho growing up and it's just that screwed me out of motels also but it's just such a creepy setting so much can go wrong i don't i don't even know where to begin with this the shower i read scene? some interesting stuff yeah let's hear it then there's some ambiguity as to how many cuts or shots there are in this scene but it's somewhere between like 60 and 80 jesus and like camera is just cutting all over the place shower curtain opens stabby stab close-up of knife face hands back you get some nice feet shots you get like a little knife to the tummy shot yeah uh it's just so much happens and it's such it's such a creepy start to the scene like she gets in the shower and you're like kind of getting into it because you know you don't see that ever back in the 60s and then you just see like a silhouette from behind the shower curtain and then it well, comes for, yeah up. i mean like the it's like ooh the panning of like that. just the shower head shooting water out is yeah. kind of like eerie nowadays after this movie that was a giant shower head right yeah she looked like she was having the greatest shower of her life too she was smiling washing like herself she's having a great time she, yeah have you ever taken a shower with forty grand cash on the couch? Uh, no. I've taken a shower with forty grand of debt in my bank account, and you probably didn't feel as good of a shower as that one. Nope, it doesn't. Uh, so she's just having a great time. Looks like the you know, and then I love one of the moments is when she falls out of the shower mm. and pulls the curtain with her and yeah. it's like ding 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 yeah which is really which hits, is really it's a spot it's yeah. a satisfying spot um do you think this is the most famous horror scene in all of cinema i think so it's it's reenacted and parodied so much it's why a lot of people are scared of showers Janet Lee didn't take showers after this. Like she only took baths. Um, like we were talking about earlier, it is such a vulnerable and relatable position that everyone can, everyone can imagine it happening and do imagine it and get scared of it. I, I mean, I can't really, I don't know if I could think of another scene that would maybe trump it. I mean, there's ones that are close for sure, but. It Probably made, something from like Exorcist or something. It or made the movie so famous uh-huh. that Anthony Perkins and Janet Lee were just stereotyped for the rest of their careers mm. after this. Yeah. As being like Norman Bates and Marion. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like it was a career defining moment. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure that Hitchcock bought the rights to the book, bought as many copies of the book as he could so people didn't know the twist spoil the ending and well, then only God, can you imagine like being able to buy 
all the copies yeah. of a book. Oh, yeah, fuck what him. the hell? What a big dick move. Uh, Alfred Big Cock. So the Texas guy yeah. is based off of Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, now we know. <laughs> big t- and swinging. Alfred Hitchcock commits tax fraud. Um, and now we know that too. Yes. He gave We're piece better by PIs piece. than Albatross. We're what? What? We're better PIs than... What's his face? Arborgas? Al- Al- Can you not cat, like, grab that? Can you not gra- gasp it? Grasp it? Firmly grasp it. The mic? <laughs> oh, Albert. Arborgast's name. I don't know his name. Albatross? <laughs> Megatron? Arborgast. Arborgast, man. Megatron. Uh, Starfire. Starlord. <laughs> uh... You ever seen Spaceballs? Shut up. <laughs> I was on to something. It's... We're talking. I was saying that we're better PIs than Arborgast, Harbor Man. And then. Oh, so. You were saying. Hitchcock was giving. Hitchcock was giving the actors and actresses and people on set piece by piece of the script. Oh, right. Which. Because he didn't want them to know. Because mm-hmm. he wanted it so tightly, uh, like, sealed up so that the. You know, the twist wouldn't be revealed, mm-hmm. which is another thing is like maybe he wrote his own paranoia of not wanting the twist to get out into Marion's character because apparently he was super worried that everyone was going to know and he really wanted people to go to the scene or go to the movie. And I guess his marketing to the excuse me, his marketing for the movie was he sent a fucking cardboard cutout of himself to yeah. movie theaters that was like, uh, and it had go text watch, on it. Yeah, it's, it's like, go watch Psycho, but make sure you're there to start it. Because if you miss even 10 minutes of the opening scene of the movie, the twist at the end will be ruined. Yeah, like, he took so many steps to ensure that the movie wasn't, like, tainted or ruined or spoiled. Mm. And I I think it was contractually obligated that theaters couldn't allow people to enter a showing after it had begun or something like that. Yeah. That's nuts. And so I think that started that, that started the culture of getting the movies on time. And I think it even kind of solidified showtime. I think it solidified showtimes. What I read was that people would just like back then go and show up to movies and they would just run movies constantly. So whatever was on, people would just be like, okay, I'm here and this is what's happening. Yeah. Um, But when psycho was coming out, like, he wanted them to be like psycho starting 10 minutes psycho starting in five minutes mm-hmm. and then would announce it in the movie theater and then people would you know get there for that yeah so what is he, he was just he on knew a different level yeah of, yeah he knew what he was doing with this movie that and f- just all of his movies like he he just understood the audience um, he knew exactly what he wanted the audience to get out of his experiences. Yeah, and that's pretty. It's pretty cool, like to really care about how the audience views stuff. And I feel like you and I kind of feel that way when we're showing like our significant others movies that we care and love about. It's yeah, like, put your phone away. Like, watch, watch this with me. Like, let's turn the lights off. Let's. Like, I want you to pay attention yeah, to this movie. Really watch this. I know. I was watching Jaws with my girlfriend for the first time, and I 
showed her it and I like stopped and paused and was like explaining. I was like, Oh, well, you know, the town's economy really needs this. Oh, and she's like, yeah, I know. And I'm like, all right, cool. So you're watching (laughs) it. Like, (laughs) like this is why they're doing this. Yeah. Like to us, we're like, it's so cool. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, that's the story. But we're like, yeah, but it's like so cool. Yeah, but it is the story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which leads me to this actually is a good transition. They show Norman then cleaning up, coming back Mm -hmm. down. He's like, mother, blood, blood. It's weird. Whatever. Comes down. He's cleaning up. It's basically like... 15 minutes of nothing said and is it actually that long it's it feels like it I, yeah like I, wrote I wrote in my yeah. notes what felt like it might be like five but it's just silence it feels yeah i i had the same thought i was like i love this scene i love how long it feels i love watching him do everything like it's mm-hmm. so thorough yep. and meticulous which adds to the creepiness it's like he seems like he's on adrenaline yeah but he's it's a, either he's done it before or he knows what to do or he just has a he has a clear plan in his head so like he's even though he's still like a little maybe shook yeah he's still getting it done and being like pretty chill about it yeah but you can tell right, he's it a little felt super long it felt long and actually a point i wanted to say before the cleanup was i saw this in 4k uh cuz i have a big dick. <laughs> no, it's also it's, on Netflix. I watched yeah, it on Netflix. Yeah, it's free and, for net. It's it's on Netflix, but I bought it. The credits on the Netflix when the movie started, I was like, oh yeah, this definitely isn't the restored version. Yeah. So how was, was it? Four K. So four K was good, but uh, I don't know if you noticed this, and I don't know if this is what they meant to do, but when they pan out from her eye, mm-hmm. she's still swallowing slash breathing. Mm. And I don't know if it's because it's 4K that you can see that, so they didn't really Maybe. want you to. But then they pan over to the money mm. on the counter. So it seems like her last like dying breaths as she's bleeding out is staring at the money. Yeah. Like she like that's the last thing she sees is the newspaper on mm. the counter and she's just bleeding out. Cause like, oh no, you're not gonna die immediately. You're gonna like bleed right. out and just like, you know. Yeah, lose that's consciousness. Rough. I mean, that's what started it all is the it money. Just, it seemed very like fresh the first time I saw that. Yeah. And like, I don't know if they meant to do that, but it just worked good and it mm-hmm. just looks good in 4K. Cool. <clears throat> Anyways, back to him cleaning up. When he brings out the car and drops it in the swamp. Yeah. What the fuck is he chewing on, dude? I think he, like, he's chewing always on a cracker. Chew- I think he's always chewing on. Well, the candy he eats is like candy corn. Candy corn. But he was kind of like, yeah. He's doing some weird shit with his mouth, right? Or maybe he was just like biting a nail or something. So it reminds me. No, because he like is chomping on it. (laughs) It reminds me of uh, uh, Flint, Quint, in the Uh, back of the room just like chewing on a cracker. But yeah. like having his hand up to, up to his and mouth. Like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Like, I don't know. There must be like small little crackers or something. That I'm always like, I don't know, in film. Like an oyster cracker or something? Like, what are you eating? Oyster crackers? You're really that much of a loser? <laughs> There's one thing I wish we got. Yeah. During the murder scene. Which is? So she, it's after the stabbing's done and mother leaves and she's sliding down 
the shower. Like she turns around, her back is to it. We see her sliding down. She's reaching for the curtain. I wish we got a blood trail on the back of the wall. Like that yeah. would, that I just think it wouldn't, it doesn't have to be like crazy gory. I think just like a little bit behind her head. I think it would have just looked so cool. I think it would have looked better. And I think they do do that in the remake because they mm. make it gorier. Um, but like based off of the statistics of where she was stabbed. Yeah. She was stabbed in the front. So unless she put like her hand back there and smeared it back, oh, okay. like she didn't have any cuts on her back. I right? thought she, she was like, like maybe turning. She doesn't like turn back. around. She's just getting like stabbed in the okay. front a lot. Well, she was leaning on it. She was Is leaning she? on the wall because her hand was like getting weird. Yeah. Close up <laughs> of her hand being weird on the wall. Yeah. Oh. And then, so she's tits on the wall and then she turns around. Okay. So like, I don't, I just feel I don't, like, yeah. I don't know. I would just, I didn't, I missed that. I wish there was like just a little bit. I do bit too. The, I was like, I, there's no, but I think nitpicky. they were staying back. They had the whole, like, look at the, you know, the blood dropping by your feet mm-hmm. and going down the drain. That was good. Was the big part. And when he mopped up. Yeah. Mopping up the blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, do we have to mention what the blood is? Do, like, do we like have, isn't to that, that like the, the whole thing is it was chocolate syrup. Yeah. Was it actually, yeah. or is that just a rumor? No, like from what I could tell and read from different sources is chocolate syrup. And that's what I always thought it was. Yeah. And I think they like use that to pass the sensors too. They're like, yeah, it's just clearly chocolate syrup. Like, yeah, I heard they wrote a bunch of Randy shit in this <laughs> to get the sensors to like censor that, but keep the shower scene. So he really oh. wanted the shower scene in it. So they just wrote like, over sexualized and over gory shit for that time oh. so that they would cut out that like yeah keep the shower keep the sh- scene and make mm. the shower scene like glanced over crazy mm. playing the system playing the system and that brings us to our second ad of the day nice this podcast is brought to you by norman's turndown service norman's is the industry leader in cleaning up the messiest of motel rooms and restoring them to their normal state with their non-stained shower curtains and triple soaked linens They don't leave a drop. Norman's understands time-sensitive matters, which is why they pride themselves on their punctuality and quick, thorough work. Norman's retains the right to collect any valuables left at the scene. Call 1-800-NORM to return to normal with Norman's and use the phrase mother for 20% 20 off your first service. Mother. Mother. Uh, That... Reminds me of my quote. I, let's hear it. Um, I hate the smell of dampness, don't you? Mm. It just, I don't know, it smells creepy. It's a creepy smell. Like he says it so fast. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so you're creepy. You're creepy. I don't know, creepy it's just a fuck. creepy smell. What do you yeah. mean dampness is a creepy smell? I don't know, it's weird. His interaction with Arborgast is really good. He's obviously like getting all funky and fucky and yeah. losing like not telling his story right kind of like yeah he's unraveling kind of losing losing his patience mm-hmm. losing his cool but yeah this is this is where you know the the leading lady dies and then you get arbogast next you get sam sam's back and then you get the the sister and i love how he tells cool his switch his a co-worker to fuck off he's like hey why don't you go fuck off I'm not uh, no, I'm gonna fuck off yeah. here. It's like no, literally fuck get off. lost. Uh, yeah, 
And then we, yeah. I mean, the the second part of the movie is completely different. It's who's done it. They go back to Bates Motel a couple of times. That's pretty cool. I like how we keep going back. You don't really know when something bad's going to happen. Yeah. They go to a sheriff, which was kind of cool because... That dude was just like the caricature of what a sheriff is. I loved it. And I loved how, at you know, at first he's handling it the way where it seems like a resp- like a responsible adult would. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he kind of gets into it. He kind of goes a little gung-ho with it when they're like, well... I don't know. They, they gave him some, like, explanation of... But he calls up Normie like, and is like, guy. some feller name, Arbo Gast. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, this guy is useless. I've been just fine, thanks. Listen, we got worries here. Uh, have you uh, had a fella stop by there tonight? Well, this one wouldn't be a customer anyway. A private detective. Name of... Arbogast. Arbogast. Yeah. But that also kind of gave us a little explanation that the cops aren't after her. Like, it's a private affair at this point. Yeah. And so that's why he's like, lay it in the lap of the law and it'll get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I think that was a part of what writing this about Ed Gein was, is that when you talk to the sheriff, they're like, oh, Norman Bates, like he would never, he wouldn't do anything. He's yeah. just up there. He's lonely. Just kind of a hermit. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's like, just doesn't like to be with society. And I think that's what everyone thought about. Ed Gein was, which is okay. Because they're just like, he's just a weird dude. They're but kind like, of just letting him do his thing. He just, you know, he no talks to people. Doing. He's a little off, but you could have a conversation with him and you just be like, all right, all right, he just lives alone. Yeah. And then, like, the reveal with the mom was cool how they were talking about seeing his mother and and whatever. And yeah. then the sheriff's like, well, and or the sheriff's wife. If the woman like, up there is Mrs. Bates, then who's the woman out there buried in Green Lawn Cemetery? Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Brother. Brother. I'm going to go to church with my wife. It was a also nice. my secretary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can buy happiness. <laughs> you unhappy? Uh but Sam and the sister actually have like a good plan. Mm-hmm. Like, um, Marion never really had a good plan. Norman, I mean, he's been doing it for a while, so he's doing something right. But so he's got a routine. Yeah, Sam and Lila just they they learn from Arbogast. Arbogast, what he did right? Like he went there inquiring about things they go there as a couple trying to keep it under the radar they're doing some secret detective work and like that was cool because they did something different it made Arbogast like effort not necessarily in vain Mm -hmm. like it kind of gave him a reason to believe like oh there's something weird going on with the mom and let's tread lightly Otherwise, we end up missing like Arbogast and Marion. So then they went into room one, which was unlocked, and Sam was like distracting them. So they try to find any like evidence, right? Mm-hmm. And there was nothing, right? They just kind of looked around. I don't. I still don't understand why it was unlocked. I don't either. 
Like, wouldn't he have locked it? Unless he wants them to go in and see, like, there was no foul play. Yeah. but Because Norman's turned down. Nothing in there, so except for in the toilet. So that's when they oh. go check. And part of, I mean, obviously Norman didn't take a dump after he put the, he Just dumped the body. Deuce. Because the letter in the toilet was still there and didn't flush all the right. way. Uh and so they find that, and I was like, oh, my God, $40,000 subtracting. Like, that means Mary was here. Yeah. And then he's like, all right, I'll go distract him while you go upstairs and check that house. Because they're like, we're never going to know until we check the house. And then that's when she, like, finds all the creepy shit. Yeah. The bot, the, uh, the imprint in the bed. Just so icky. Yeah. Weird. So is he sleeping as mother in the bed, or is that I that think, body leaving in the I bed? I think the body is in the bed for the most part. I don't think he moves the body that much. No, but he does. He, they do use that camera angle to show him moving the body down to the fruit cellar again. Yeah, which is creepy because you, you're still led. You don't know. Like three quarters of the movie, almost eighty percent of through the movie, you uh, you actually think that there's still a mother because he's carrying it. Yeah, downstairs still, and she's yeah. talking as you go by the screen. Right. And the whole time she's been upstairs, so that's where she goes first. Yeah. Because Ly- just... Lila's going to go talk to the mom because mm-hmm. there was mention of... The mom, like, the, the Abergast saying that he's never talked to the mom and he was going to talk to the mom. He was going back to talk to the mom. So she right. was like, she knows something. Yeah. Um, and Sam does a good job at holding him down there and, and just talking to kind him. Of... But he starts doing that fidgety him. thing. Yeah, he starts he starts questioning. Norman starts Norman. doing like fidgety stuff, and he does this weird thing with his cheeks. I don't know if you noticed, but he's like, it's almost like he's like anxiety chewing or like sucking his cheeks in. Wow, it's almost like a yeah. tick. Yeah, um, and he's like, "Where's that woman you came here with?" And then he's basically like, "Y'all need to leave." Yeah, he knocks Sam out, goes up. Honestly, when Lila is like walking up the hill to the house, like. I know a lot of people are probably like scared, mm-hmm. but I had like a sudden attraction to her. I nice. was like, you go. Like, you were just this overwhelmed is, by her beauty. I, she was just a very like courageous scene. Yeah. You know, for her, not like for, not for Sam mm-hmm. to go up and check the house. It was almost right. like you had like a, a heroine. Yeah. Or heroine. How do you say it? Is it I think it's a, her- I think it's heroin. Heroin. Or like a, a heroin. Mm-hmm. No, but yeah, she's just, it's a very courageous act for yes. her to do and go up and check instead of Sam going up yeah. and check. I mean, she's like something, there's foul play. Like she, there is definitely a threat. Yeah. However, for the most part, she's probably just trying, she's just going up there to talk to the mother. Mm-hmm. So I don't think she really suspects. She doesn't know the danger she's in. Right. She knows things are messed up, but she doesn't have that threat. Yeah. Of a murderer is going to come for me. And I have no idea what I'm going to find up here. She thinks she's just going to go talk to a mom. Finds the fruit seller and she does the the turn around. And oh. that's when the mom. That was a good scream, too. Good she scream. She whips back and hits yeah. that light. And Lights she screams moving it. It's and... moving. And then all of a sudden he comes around the corner. And he has that like face on. Yeah. Mrs. Bates.
Sam grabs Sam him comes, from behind. And then he's just, ah. With the light moving, yeah, the swinging light over moving. the, like, sh- casting shadows everywhere on the mom's skeleton face. And, yeah. Oh, you get a good. That's a good climax. That is a good that's climax. A, and that's the money shot. That is the money shot. And you get a final twist at the end of the movie. The movie's taking you all over the place. And now it's like, holy shit. Like, he's the mom. Yeah. And the mom's dead. And he then, was the mother the, the entire, entire time. time. And then you get the fucking psychiatrist explaining it all. They're like, how do you feel about that scene? Fuck your mom. Well, I do because I am my mom I and am I fuck her. myself. But she doesn't like it. I don't mind the uh, psychiatrist coming out and explaining it. He kind of tries to steal the show a little bit. Right. Like, He's kind of, he thinks he's the big dick. He thinks like he was in the movie. He acts like he was in the movie. Like he was the detective right. throughout the whole movie. I know. And he kind of just big dicks it at the end. And you're like, you're like who's this asshole? Yeah. And then also he gets that from one session with Norman. It's kind of like, dude, this is like, like I see what you're getting at. Yeah. But there's no way he gets I merely all just of that try to describe this. Yeah, what? there's like, no way he gets all of that from just talking to Norman like once. And then they walk in, and he's like, "Oh, he's feeling kind of chill. Can you have mm-hmm. this blanket?" And he just pulls out a smoke. He's like, "Sure." That dude, that guy, yeah. came in throwing a hundred miles an hour. He came in hot and tried to take the movie over. I, uh, I, I think for the time the audience needed that because I feel like the audience would just be like so concerned and disturbed by what they saw that they maybe wouldn't like really understand yeah the the like um, let's just retcon this guy in that acted like he was in this whole movie so you can feel okay with watching because they have to like cross-dressing creepy split personality human murder people yeah like we the movie could have ended and we could have just been fine with that and knowing like yeah he inhabited some part of his mother but the psychiatrist like he actually did bring up some like interesting points and he added some like depth to the motive behind it and to how it's like he eventually fully became his mother and he kind of walked you through it and i liked it i I just felt like it wasn't he had a little attitude with how he was saying yeah it just like held himself weird because it was a good description like he was jealous of his mother Mm -hmm. and killed his mother and the and the the dude that he that his mother was with, yeah. Um, I think, and then as they like went on, he was like, and then since he thought that since he was jealous of his mother, he then thought that his mother would be in turn jealous of him when he started doing stuff. Yeah, which is like it's like a weird like sharing of a mind thing where it's I don't know. It's like it's still the same person so they might he might have the same reactions even though he's in his mind two different people yeah what's the driving force i guess there's some sort of thing with the house and how it's three levels and it's supposed to be like the id ego and super ego and Freudian ideology of uh, norman's brain crazy and like where the mom is placed and where he is shown in the Mm. house has to do with like really yeah interesting Cause there's like scenes when he like just goes in the kitchen. He's just like twiddling the yeah. sugar thing. And then, like, and you always think like the mom is out of frame, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Interesting. 
I think the monologue at the end was like they could have scaled it back. With the with psychiatrist? Yeah, I think yeah. like he got his point across and then some. Yeah. And I think we didn't need all of it. I think he could have like I think we could have gotten seventy five percent of what we got and been just fine. The the one point where I feel like it just really tr- showed the uh nineteen sixties was when he was like talking about dressing like his mother and that cop was like, He's a transvestite. Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, No, he's nope. actually not. He thought he was his mom. And it was just like very I know the cop just in the corner just <laughs> I hate gays. <laughs> Say tell me you hate gays without saying you hate gays. The the psychiatrist basically partway through, like he goes over and he like He's like so into what he found out, you know, and he's just like sucking his own dick kind of. And he's just like, you know, like stroking his like facial hair he doesn't have. And he's just like pondering. But dude, same energy. If he just rolled in there, grabbed a chair, sat on it backwards and was like, all right, listen this dude's here. Fucked up. This is what's going on. You're not going to. Re- you're not going to. You ain't going to believe this. Yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you a thing or two here. <laughs> What you thought was happening actually ain't happening. Norman's his mom, but his mom's also Norman. Norman's also dead, but not really. His mom's dead, but not really either. It's a cosmic gumbo. Yeah. Um, I think that they, the ending monologue of mom or mother, Mm -hmm. just icing on the cake of what Mm -hmm. is a great movie. Yeah. The whole... That whole thing with I wouldn't hurt a fly. Yeah. And then what it's they like do. so crazy. Like she's, because the mom is basically saying she's, that. She's taken over. She has taken over and she's putting the blame on Norman. Mm-hmm. And so she's basically saying like, I'm getting away with it, but Norman isn't. Norman and even isn't. though like she's in the body and like she's getting punished as well. But like in her mind, she's yeah. not. Which makes me realize, like, yeah, like, Friday the 13th ripped this completely mm. off. Um, but it's that's such a that's it just proves how nutty, how far gone. And they is. do. I don't know if you notice it. And it took me like reading stuff before this movie. I think it was like a, a couple years ago. But they do a quick pan when he does that. Like, look, he like looks up. Yeah. And they like superimpose yeah. the mom's dead face with his face yeah, and it's really creepy with that like Norman Bates like, yeah. look. I, so. I noticed that watching it this last time and it, uh, oh, it's so good. Yeah. It's like just a little bit too. It wasn't mm-hmm. over the Not top. Not too much just there. And then it just ends. They're pulling the, the, they're pulling the car out. Yeah. Categories. Categories. What's your critic review? I said it's a classic horror thriller that ages well and still frightens viewers. And it laid down the foundation for slashers to evolve and peak in later decades. Nice. I like that. I agree with that. I kind of went short and sweet with this. Mm-hmm. I just said this movie is still creepy af. It, it is. It still hits. It still hits hard. And that's it's a pleasant surprise. Um, on a scale from A to Z, what would you rate this movie? M. Four. Mother. You? I uh, I gave it an H. Four. Hole in the wall where Norman saw it all. Movie genie grants you one item from this movie. What is it? 
the 40 large. I said the 40 it too. big ones. I said $40. I said $40 from the money. $40,000 in today's value, though. Yeah. So, like that. I'd take 40 grand straight up. I would too. I'm not barking. Uh, two fictional awards this movie would win. Uh, I did best plot twists. Ooh, there's okay. multiple. I yeah. I think the motel is a is like a plot like tangent, like mm-hmm. a, kind of a twist. Yeah, murdering the lead actress and then the mother at the end. Like it's kind of like a triple M twist. Her motel mother murder and mother. mother. <laughs> and uh, I paradigm shift in creating horror movies. I gave it the or, I gave like, it the I, movie theaters one. Okay. The movie theaters paradigm. I, I didn't know slasher. how I was gonna. I feel like you're gonna word so it. So I think it's like the movie theaters, par, movie theaters paradigm shift in cinema award, and then describing why I got that. Yeah. So what did you say? So I just said the paradigm shift in cinema award for slasher movies. Yeah. I, I I feel like Halloween is the original slasher movie, Mm -hmm. but I feel like psycho walked. So Halloween could run and then Halloween walked. So like other slashers could run. I don't know. Cause I feel like there's only two murders in psycho. So it's not like the biggest slasher per se. Yeah. It's pretty, it's like the goriest movie we had probably seen until then. So yeah, it also just, which is such a classic horror movie yeah. that like had jump scares kind of. It's and... so chilling that like Norman Bates is known as one of the scariest movie villains of all time. Yeah. Like up there, like yeah. you go to the Mopop um, in Seattle mm-hmm. and they have a, they have a scene on uh, movie monsters a whole section on movie monsters and like explaining why they're there and why they're creepy. And Norman Bates has a slot up there next to Freddie and Jason and and Mike. I agree. So it's also creepy because we get so much more like courtesy of our psychiatrist friend, so much backstory, you know, they really lay it on thick at the end of this is like his life and this is how he got here and, why he's doing what he's doing. And to know that is creepy because we don't get that a lot with a lot of the other, other movie monsters. We don't really get much backstory. I think that the, uh, I think that psychiatrist actually doesn't have any friends (laughs) and his wife hates him because that's just how he explains everything throughout his entire life. Uh, (laughs) It's the only way he like knows how to communicate. So they're like, they're like, stop explaining things like you've been here the whole time because you haven't. God damn it. Um, okay. Like I and sucked. then my second award was yeah. movie feeders mother's day award <laughs> for a movie that surrounds its central plot around a mother. I think, I think we got to watch this every mother's day now. This is a good mother's day. It's a mother's day movie. Yeah. You know how they say die hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah. Psycho is a mother's day movie. I love it. All right, you got to pick one character from the movie to help in the event of a massive emergency. In case of emergency, we're breaking for Sam Loomis. Dude's a yeah. handsome guy. He uh, 
He gets up pretty pretty quick from a blunt force trauma to the head. He's he's pretty built too. He's, like he's yeah. got a good physique and yeah. he's, he's smashing. That dude is probably uh that dude's if I'm asking him to help land a plane with me, yeah. He's probably like, get the fuck out of the cockpit. I'm the pilot. You're <laughs> the co pilot. And then be walks like, yeah, out dad. the back with every blonde woman on his arm. As he should. <laughs> Uh, we were we were watching this, and my girlfriend was like, "What? What's like Hitchcock's thing? Like Tarantino has feet." And then she was thinking about it for a while, and she's like, "Oh, oh yeah, blondes, blondes, abusing blondes." God damn it! I do. Um, I would do uh the PI Albatross Albagas Arbogast. Al- you don't even know his fucking name. I uh I'd do him because I feel like he did kind of get shit done. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was like fairly good at his job. He just yeah. like got jumped on, but I don't know. I liked I liked his style, so I'd want to. I I don't I'd do that. Whatever you could do, Norman, and then you'd have Mother, and you'd have you'd have two, two co-pilots. You'd have two people. Just one yelling at you the whole time. Yeah, imagine being like sitting there, like he's like your co-pilot, and he's Norman, and then switching back to Mom, and just like just yelling as Mother. <laughs> Oh man! All right, you want to drink a nice cold wanna... glass of milk with me? Mother's milk. Mother's. Let's play a game, just me and you. You want to drink? Drink your leg. I'll drink to your leg. Okay, so we drink our legs. <laughs> Don't be such a square. Everybody who's anybody drinks. I drink your milkshake. Why is the rum gone? What would be so? Hair of the dog that bit me. Bourbon on the rocks. That'll do her. All right, so the official movie feeders drinking game for Psycho is take a sip every time mother is said. Um, take a sip every time mother is seen or shown. Take a sip when the money is shown. Take a sip when we see the Mo- Bates Motel sign. And finish your drink whenever mother, mother kills, somebody. kills someone. So so that's two. Two finish your drinkers in this one. Yeah. That second, that's a good jump scare. It got me. Like, I would like, say I was... <laughs> my closing remarks on this show would probably be that Hitchcock, for an, that jump scare is ahead of its time. I feel like that second kill... Yeah is ahead of its time. This whole movie was ahead of its time for Hitchcock and his, his ego just drove him to the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was, this was a fun pod to digest. Yeah. I think doing the oldest movie we've done was, I was going to say like a nice challenge, but it wasn't, it was really easy. I think this movie is just so it's easily palatable. digestible. Yeah. And uh, it's just still like it's a classic for a reason. Like it's mm-hmm. still really good, and like even if you don't really like scary movies, it's maybe you'll like some of the old scary movies because you still get like the creepiness, but you don't get the overly intense sensory, like yeah, like s- sights and sounds of like today's horror movies. So. Yeah, I don't Saw know, really fucked us up in like two thousand. Yeah, whenever like two thousand four, 
Because yeah. then after they just made everything gory and like yeah. it was just gore porn. Like Conjuring. Conjuring yeah. 2 specifically just really didn't do me any favors. And then, yeah, Hereditary. Yeah, yeah. Things got bad. Things got bad fast. Fast. But no, this is, this is a good this is a one that movie. creeps you out. But like you can you can still go to bed yeah. with the lights off and everything. Yeah. It's just more of like, who do, I don't know if I can trust anyone now. Yeah. You know, it's almost like a vibe check. It almost, yeah. it almost gives you a little bit like a, yeah, maybe don't like be so trusting. All the it's time. like, you're not scared of the boogeyman under the bed. It's more of like, you're scared of human interaction. Now. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just so possibly real. And that's, that's probably what makes it so scary too. Cool. So yeah, I'd love to do another Hitchcock. So let's do Rear Window sometime. I think we're gonna do Rear Window this this summer. Summer yeah. of Thrills. Couple. Yeah. So. <laughs> Summertime thrills. Uh, uh, Norm's holes. A hole in the wall where Norman could see it all. They know I can't even move a finger, and I won't. I'll just sit here and be quiet. Just in case they do suspect me. They're probably watching me. Well, let them. Let them see what kind of a person I am. I'm not even going to swat that fly. I hope they are watching. They'll see. They'll see and they'll know. And they'll say, why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. (laughs) 